Hey, everybody, you're listening to the Cross Culture Podcast, where we have conversations to help Christian leaders create a cross culture in their church. Wherever you're listening from, we hope that this conversation helps you take the next step of embracing God's beautiful, diverse vision for your church. Let's dive in. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Cross Culture Podcast. Today, I'm joined, as always, by Pastor Will Plunk of Gray City Church, and this is Philip Pinckney of Radiant Church. And man, we're going to dive right in. We're going to actually go pick up on the conversation we started last week into a new segment. So, Pastor Will, what are we talking about today? Yeah, we're talking about leadership in the church and really just how we're going to control or influence staff, leadership, uh, ministry leadership positions, volunteer positions, and what does it look like? How are we going to think about hiring? How are we going to think about staff management or the things to look for? Are there first steps we need to mm-hmm. take as we're thinking about leadership in the church? So Philip, what we yeah. got leadership so, in the church. Are we talking about like diversity in leadership? We're talking about diversity in leadership. Okay. In the church. So we talking about hiring cross-culturally. That's so exactly. All white church, all black church. You're trying to hire. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, you got a little, you got a little bit of something in there, but you're trying to think about how to lead and what okay. to do. All right. So I, I love this question. One is because this is a, a topic that should really excite Christian leaders, especially pastors, because the diversity of your church is kind of a slow grind to change. Like you're preaching, you're teaching, you're leading, you're modeling, you're example, like you're doing all these things. And it's kind of like an inch by inch uh, victory. Oh, a new family showed up today. And you get really excited. Go up to them and shake your hand, right? Try not to scare them too bad. Try not to swarm them on, a, right. on a Sunday. Uh, so, the, the diversity of the church, that changing is is really a slow process, especially if you're part of an existing church. And so, uh, but leadership, but staff, people you hire, like you, you can control who you hire. Okay. Like yeah. you can set the tone for who you hire that may even be far out in front of what your the current reality of your church is. Mm-hmm. So that's the beautiful part about this conversation is, man, if you are uh, maybe disenchanted or disencur- discouraged by the progress of your church reflecting that reality of being a cross-culture church, man, you can make incredible strides in your staff mm-hmm. because you can oftentimes not maybe directly control. Maybe there's a team of people that does the hiring. Maybe there's a couple of interviews, but man, you can influence that process to actually have your church be more diverse than your congregation, which helps lead your congregation to being that cross-culture church. That's right. Cause they're the tip of the spear. Absolutely. And I think it's important to recognize, okay, in this conversation on cross-culture churches, where can I have influence? Where mm-hmm. can I have control? Where can I actually make the biggest impact in really even the quickest amount of time? Yeah. And it's leadership in yeah. the church. Yeah. Staff is where you can make that impact relatively shortly. And even not just hiring staff, but even shaping the theology of staff. Yeah. Most churches have staff meetings where you can be just dripping this kind of stuff. Mm. Um, I know we have at Radiant some practices where if you get hired here, like you have to read Divided by Faith. Yeah. Like that's part of your onboarding process. That's a great point. I can't make that a, a membership required. Well, I probably could, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> you could. We could. And we but, might do that too. But yeah, we yeah. at the same thing at Great City Church. If you're going to join our staff, you actually have to go through co- cross-cultural training. Yeah. So they're going to have some meetings. They're going to actually take it a an assessment that mm-hmm. evaluates their cross-cultural competency. And then you're going to have a, you're actually going to have a staff growth plan Yeah, that's attached to this. So that's, so for, for those who are looking for man, uh, some, some measurable wins in a short amount of time, you can do a lot of work with staff. It doesn't matter how big your staff is or how small your staff is. If it's you and one other person, right? If it's you and 50 other people, if you are a leader, even if it's just in your domain, maybe not the lead pastor, but you're like the person over next gen or kids right. or admin. Like if you've got one or two people in your department, man, you can make 
incredible, incredible headway in just that department. So, um, so you should get really excited about this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so before we talk about kind of, you know, what are some best practices for bringing on staff? I think we got to start with subtraction. Mm. Um, because I believe, and I know you believe as well, that in order to to pursue the cross-culture church, it doesn't start with addition by adding people and programs, but it oftentimes starts with subtraction. It does. Speak to that, Pastor Will. Yeah, well, there's a reason why our churches are the way they are. Mm. They did not just fall out of the sky and not look at this entirely black or entirely white <laughs> church, or yeah. predominantly one ethnic group. Instead, there's decisions that have been made. There's culture that has been created for them to be the way they are. So if we have, if we're recognizing God's vision for a cross-cultural church and we're trying to, to reach that, well, then we have to go, okay, well, what has already been a barrier towards that end? What in our staff has been a barrier towards that end? And one of the things we hire people, even with things in mind, but over time, and this is what happens for a pastor leader in the church is you're around people Mm -hmm. and you're, you're getting to know what they like. You're getting to know really what motivates them in the workplace you're getting to know not only what drives them, but how do they conduct themselves? How do they think about these things that we've been discussing? Mm-hmm. And so it is essential to recognize, okay, if I'm going to hire somebody of a different ethnic group mm-hmm. and they're going to be the only one, yeah, how is who is already there going to feel? How are they going to treat them? Mm-hmm. What kind of obstacles are they going to create in the path towards us reaching what we need to reach? And so you got to start with subtraction. Yeah. And subtraction can be difficult because it makes you, as you just said, man, you just spent all this time with a team of people that you love, you hired, you've been investing in them, but now you've got to look at their qualifications differently. Mm-hmm. Now it's not, are they just the best kids person? Are they just the best worship person? Are they just Huge. the best discipleship pastor? But now are they committed to being a cross-cultural person That's right. in a church that wants to be a cross-cultural church, right? And you may think, oh man, they're nice to everybody. Well, right now, everybody looks like this. Right. <laughs> everybody, you know, maybe you're in a homogenous church that's trending in this direction or you're in a diverse church that's trying to go beyond a surface level Sunday experience. And so wherever you are, sometimes you have to look at the existing people that you have on staff with a different like metric. That's really good. And I, I think one of the one of the points even about niceness to everybody, uh, a lot of a lot of times, again, there is, uh, you know, you're, you're in the fishbowl and you're not you're not you're not aware you're in water. Yeah. You don't know the the water you're swimming in because you're just in it. Mm -hmm. And so there's things that um, if you have a staff or a team made up of one majority group that that you you are doing, that actually um, if you put another fish into that tank, the pH levels aren't right. That fish going to die. <laughs> you went all the way you, into this metaphor. And I love I, it. I'm all the way in. I jump both feet in, man, in the water. You know, so, so, so there is, there's something to that actually to where it's even hard. If you have a staff made up of one group to even mm-hmm. know um, what is actually, what would actually be detrimental. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, no, it does. like what would be detrimental to towards bringing a, a fish from a different cultural environment mm-hmm. into this one? And, and how, what things are we doing? Because, the person might intend to be nice, yeah, but the outcome is offensive. Absolutely. They might intend to be loving, but because they don't actually know the specific ways this staff person, this culture group is, they actually might be offensive mm-hmm. and they might be unknowingly doing the exact, like hindering yeah. you from reaching the mission that you want to go on toward, towards cross-cultural right. church. You got to consider hold, hold, it. Hold up, Pastor Will. It, it right. sounds like you're saying that before I make a hire, I've got to maybe do some some cultural training with my staff. Yeah. I may have to do some assessments of their willingness to be part of this work and make room for others. I may have to look at myself in a different way, which might lead to me having to fire Susie. Ooh. 
We love Susie. Susie, though? Susie's been here since the beginning. Susie's been rocking with us <laughs> since the, <laughs> since since the, the day jump, one. You know what Day one, right? Yeah. Are you saying that I have to fire Susie if she's going to be problematic to the work, even though she's been loyal, she's highly competent, she's been here since the beginning, she took a pay cut to come on staff? Mm. Like, is that what you're saying? That is exactly what I'm saying. I mean, you know, and it's, I think, oftentimes in, in many church cultures, there is a low tolerance towards truth. That's why Susie, she's on the staff, and she also singing every single Sunday, and she shouldn't be singing. <laughs> Ain't nobody in the choir going to tell her. Hey, amen. But, but as a leader, we have yeah. a responsibility. Mm-hmm. We have a responsibility to the mission because God's going to hold us accountable for how Susie treats the rest of the flock. Yeah. And I, so, we, yeah. I apologize if your name is Susie. You listen to this podcast. We love you. Uh, <laughs> but the, to the point, like, we see, this is where we talk about the cost, right? Right. right. Uh, it, there's a cost to this work. If it didn't cost nothing, everybody would be doing it. But when you do a hard analysis of, man, I'm seeing some staff members who are highly effective in their role, but I see their conversations on social media. Right. I see how they engage people who visit the church. And it, it gives me some questions about, man, are they really going to be helpful or hurtful in this pursuit of being a cross-culture church? And after some analysis and investigations and, and conversations and really just heart-to-heart moments, if it gets to the place where they're in the way. Right. One of the best leadership quotes I've, I've heard in a long time recently, it was when a leader is aware of the problem but doesn't take action, the leader becomes the problem. Ooh, that's good. That's man. It hurt my heart a little bit. Yeah. Um, when we are aware of the problem, man. the moment we become aware of the problem and we don't take action, now we become the problem. That's 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 good. And that's true. And one of the things I think to that point, leaders out there and really whatever space you're in, this could be a mm-hmm. church, this could be another organization. But you need to take into consideration is sometimes, and I ain't going to say Susie, because we just, we, <laughs> we, just, we, we got to leave Susie alone. <laughs> so, sometimes, you know, somebody might be pushing in the opposite direction. Yeah. And, and of course you, you're going to probably be aware of that. Mm-hmm. And there's somebody you would need to let go, but dead weight is still going to weigh you down. Yeah. Dead weight is still going to weigh you down. So you got to pay attention. One of the things I look for in my staff, specifically the staff that represents the majority of our church, is are they going to bring up the conversation if nobody else brings up the conversation? Mm. Like in the meeting, are they aware enough of what does is, what is this room look like? Who's, who's in this room right now, right? Because yeah. we're talking about, yeah, we might have a staff meeting with everybody there. But there might be a meeting just about groups or just about kids or just yeah. about worship. Are they going to pay attention to who's in the room and to make sure the right people are in the room yeah. and advocate for the thing, even if they don't have all the knowledge? Yeah. And that, to me, speaks to, OK, this this brother might be white, might be black, but he he's for he's down for the cause. Yeah. And that's something you want to look for. If they don't have that, mm-hmm. it might be that they're not working against you, but they're dead weight. They just ain't helping you. And that's still weight. Yeah. That's going to slow you down tremendously on one of the most influential levels yeah. in your church. Yeah. Pastors, Christian leaders, don't don't miss the opportunity that you have with staff. Right. Your constituency, your membership, like all those things are slow to change and are byproducts of things that you're going to implement. But your staff, man, you can make incredible changes. It just requires requires a little bit of honesty. It requires a lot of introspection and it requires starting with subtraction first, not addition. Like don't go out and hire somebody. Ask yourself the question first. Why wouldn't somebody want to work here who is ethnically other than us? Yeah. Right. If we're making our first black hire, our first white hire, our first Hispanic hire, like let's ask the question seriously. And you may need even bring in some outside voices to help you see yourself and say, man, what would be something problematic for them? But it's invisible to me. Wow. 
Yes. Right. And so, I mean, if you have a, a pastor friend or another leader who can sit in a staff meeting and just observe, who can sit in a service and observe um, and just give you some honest feedback on, hey, if I was working here, here's what it would have troubled me in this comment. Here's what I would struggle with in your rhythms. Right. Um, and so you got to start with that honest, that honest look at yourself, which we call subtraction. And I would say this. If you are a leader in your church or organization is made up predominantly of one group. I would be shocked if there was not somebody who needed to be removed Mm. because there's a reason that table, like people are comfortable there and um, it's just, it is very unlikely that you, you got them. (laughs) Like this conversation is not for you. You good. Everybody on your team's rocking with it. If it's, if it's made up of one, most likely there's at least going to be one, two, three people that you really do have to, you really are going to have to let go to really pursue this work. So it's hard. It's hard. It might need to be slow, um, but again, I think an outside voice, your point, Philip, on an outside voice is really helpful mm-hmm. because it's going to help you work beyond your bias, yeah. which if, if, if Susie's family, <laughs> we got bias yeah, and we, we got to, igno- we, we love yeah. her. And so you got to acknowledge that. So outside voice, I would just really recommend that point that you made, Pastor Philip. So we got to start with subtraction, but let's shift gears a little bit and talk about addition. Like say a church organization has done some of the heavy lifting. They fired Susie. Susie's gone. Right. They've they've done some cross culture training. They've got they've equipped their people with the right language, the right heart, with the right biblical convictions. Okay. And they're saying, okay, cool, we need to bring in a hire. Let's do it. We're looking to addition. Let's Where do, do we it. start? Well, you know, when we hear the question, I think Pastor Philip and I both, when we hear the question about hiring to get diverse staffs and diverse leadership, this is how the question often <laughs> gets phrased. Oh, you about right? to do it. I'm about to go there. So, you know, I'm trying to hire community pastor trying to hire a worship leader, children's children's minister. And um, what happens when I have a white person who is an, they're probably like, let's say they're an A. Let's just hypothetically, let's say they're A. And there's another black person who I could hire. And they're like a B, a B plus. Talking about resume skills. Yeah, resume yeah. skills. Just, you know, the, the, the summation of their, yeah. you know, who they are. <laughs> like, should I take, the less qualified black pastor <laughs> instead of the more qualified white person? What should I do? What should I do? I'm, pastor I'm, Phillip? I'm dying laughing over here. I'm this, gonna is like my, this is my favorite question of all time. It gets asked a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> it gets asked. And it comes just that Almost way. exactly like that. Yeah, that's what it's always the AB, right? It's, it's always AB. the A minus yeah. B plus. That's like, right. You know, it's always this. Yeah. Uh, Leave you on this, the edge of the tension. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's why it's my favorite question because yeah. one, it says three things almost immediately. Okay, Hit it up. says one, your your rubric for grading is wrong. Say that I get like nine point nine 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 times out of ten, your rubric for grading is wrong. That's right. that's the first thing it says. I'm gonna come back to it. Second thing it says to me is <laughs> just because like you 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 assume that you would have to settle to hire a black person. Implicit in that statement. Because it's always a hypothetical statement. It's almost right. never like I have these two real people right. who applied for this job. It's always this hypothetical statement. So when it tells me, when even in your hypothetical, which once again, you can make up any situation you want in your hypothetical situation. Right. Yeah. But you made it up so that the black person or the other person, whatever you're trying to hire into, is just one stop, one stop lower. Mm-hmm. Right. So that just tells me, like, man, you assume that you're going to have to settle in order to hire the ethnically other. Right. And you want me to help you navigate how to communicate that settling to your staff or how you make peace in yourself. So that's the second thing it tells me. The third thing it tells me is just because, let me lean into the mic real quick. Okay. <laughs> just because 
the black folks that you know are only B pluses doesn't mean that the A brothers aren't there. Mm. It just means that you don't know. That's right. Even if that person is a legitimate B plus and you got an A, you know what I'm saying, on candidate to evaluate, just because that's the only people you know doesn't mean that they're all that there is. It just says that your circles are too small and too narrow. So, Pastor Philip, it sounds like you're saying the fact that we would even phrase the question that way actually speaks to how we're thinking about the whole conversation. In at least those three ways. And I want to revisit all of those. And I want to hear your thoughts on them. So let's start with number one. Yeah. Right. The the, the literal rubric for grading is wrong. So let's, right. that was the first kind of objection I brought up. Yeah. Here's why I would say that. I'd love to get your thoughts. Yeah. One is if you're hiring for a cross-cultural competency, if you're hiring in order to be a cross-cultural church, then cross-cultural competency, I would assume, should weigh heavily on the resume. Right. Right. It's not just the experience at a church similar to our size, you know, responsibilities in the similar areas that we're trying to hire. Like it's not just a typical resume qualifications. You've got to also consider, is this person, to your point, going to be dead weight or is this person going to be in the way? Right. Or is this person going to help? And so I think you've and almost never have I heard that qualification equally weighted right. when it comes to who's an A, who's a B. What do you think about that? Yeah. I mean. I have had this question asked to me more than one time, and that's exactly what I said. The resume you've drawn up is wrong. Mm. The resume you've drawn up is wrong. The fact that you're asking the question, is the is the A minus white pastor, mm-hmm. is he cross-culturally competent? Yeah. Well, why does that matter? It matters if embedded in your mission is the necessity to be cross-culturally competent so you can read a cro- reach a cross-culture group of yeah. people. If that's what you're trying to do, yeah, then that should be a part of the resume. And then what that does is it shifts the whole resume. It doesn't necessitate that the black person then becomes an A minus and the a, yeah. the white person. It doesn't mean that will happen necessarily at yeah, all. For sure. But what it what it will take into consideration is the is the body of the person I'm looking at actually have a robust understanding theologically of cross cultural just ministry and practices, mm-hmm. but also experience to be able to help our church realize that. And, and that actually is going to change the resume a lot. Mm-hmm. And then I think it's going to change the question and who we're looking for to begin with. Cause we're going to go this a minus this a minus person who's grown up in monoethnic spaces. They actually aren't a minus anymore. Yeah, absolutely. They actually are a B. Yeah. Because they might be, they might be an gr- incredible communicator, mm-hmm. but they're used to, in communicating cognitively yeah. solely to one demographic of people. Yeah. They might be great. You know what I'm saying? So like, it's just, you work through all that yeah. and you, it changes. The Very aspect. rarely to your point, does the rubric reflect the intended outcome? Right. Like you say, you want your church to be diverse. That's why you even having the hiring conversation and yet you're not making cross-cultural competency even a part of the process. Right. <laughs> you know, like you just, you're just looking for somebody who fits the mold uh, without actually helping you go down the field. And th- and what it means is you can't use your old job descriptions. Yeah. You literally uh-huh. can't use your old job descriptions. I'll back it. Like for what I'm saying is like for kids ministry, mm-hmm. if if you're not accounting for that, this part of the, the necessity of your, ch- your children's ministry director to be cross-culturally competent, well, what's going to happen to your kids ministry? Mm-hmm. They're going to use all the pictures of the white Jesus yeah. that are in the majority of resources. And so all your kids are going to be discipled to think when they picture Jesus Christ to be white. Yeah. And why does that matter? But it matters. It matters because one, he wasn't truthfully, mm-hmm. factually, when he was, you know, <laughs> human, yeah. he he would have been a, a light skinned brown dude. Yeah. And but more than anything else, it, it helps. It helps us go. Okay, like, are we 
teaching our kids to view the Imago Day and all people mm-hmm. rightly. And that would mean making sure all of our curriculum, like what kind of books do we have yeah. in there? Are, are we aware Are our volunteers accounting for people who come from different backgrounds economically, yeah. people who come from foster and adopted homes? Mm-hmm. Are they aware of those kind of these kind of things? Ways yeah. that like, I mean, and you, you know, this yeah. like the, depending on the culture you grew up in, you your mama might've been, she might've raised you different. <laughs> yeah. And so you're going to respond differently yeah, to absolutely. like the, you know, let's say, hey, will you please, will you please sit down right here? Mm-hmm. Or like get your hind parts in the seat right now. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, like even, yeah, you might talk a little different. And yeah. so like, you got to just make sure those kind of things actually need to be a part of the resume. Absolutely. Um, let alone the theological implications to just telling them that the gospel of Jesus loves you. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that's another podcast, <laughs> another time. Don't follow me up. I'm just throwing it out there. Uh, so that's yeah, the okay. first objection. Yeah. Second objection is wh- where is this idea of settling come from? Like uh. the second objection I had to that, that even the phrasing of the question is there's this, like an assumption of settling. Like if I hire the ethnically other, if I'm a black church hiring my first white person, if I'm a white church hiring my first black person or first Hispanic person yeah. or first you know Asian American, like I'm going to have to settle. Mm. I'm not going to be able to get what I want. I just got to find the nearest ethnically other who can do the job and we can put them on the website and be like, all right, we did it. Mm. Why? Why do you think there's so much assumptions out there that settling is just part of the part of the gig? All right, I want to hear your thoughts on this too. Um, but I, this one's hard to. Is 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 hard because it's it kind of strikes at the heart of this whole conversation, mm. in my opinion, because the i the reason we think about settling oftentimes speaks in, to our implicit bias and and not to necessarily use that terminology for some people whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'm, it, it speaks to the fact that 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 we might actually think that that there is a disproport there is disproportionate amount of qualified white folk versus qualified black folk. Yeah. And so I I do think that's why the conversation often gets um gets directed in that that way mm-hmm. is because whoever whoever's asking the question actually just isn't around a lot of qualified brothers. Yeah. And that's sad to me. Mm-hmm. I mean honestly that's sad to me because that's going to this is going to affect so many things. And I don't think it's also just a product of who you are, might have been who you've studied, who you've been like the schools you went to, mm-hmm. um you know the the theologians you've you've been taught to read. Yeah that make you think that, but I do think it often speaks to kind of how, how, how we view people. And I think it's also, I also see that same assumption in what black pastors get asked to preach about in white spaces. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's almost never like inerrancy of scripture. No, like that, no, 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 It's like no, yeah, yeah. The, the, the harmony of the gospel. Yeah, that's the kind of picture, stuff. You know yeah, it's usually that. It's, it's black stuff. It's white stuff. It's race every time. Right. <laughs> it's it's race, race every time. Race yeah. and justice every time, yeah. which is cool. But like, yo, we read the Bible too, right? And we, you know, we love the Bible in in other ways too. Like, man, I would love to walk through First John with the church, right? Yes. And I would love to walk through some of the epistles, right? I would love to do a, I would love to do a sermon series at another church on just the introductory, you know, phrases that Paul uses and mm. compare and contrast them in all the epistles and okay you know what i'm saying like this is interesting yeah. stuff to me but no it's it's race and justice every time justice. you know and so i think there's an assumption of that's what we need you to talk about everything else we got yeah so we get framed yeah. in a particular way for sure yeah and so and even when we bring in like i've worked on conference committees where we bring in like black speakers and it always kind of comes up subtly of like what, what are they going to talk about though like <laughs> 
should we see their notes ahead of time? Like just to make oh. sure they're sound? Like Oh man. But that assumption is almost never levied against the 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 overwhelming, you know, number of, of white speakers that come into that same space. Like yeah. we assume that they're gonna be theologically sound because they're in our camp versus anyone else, like let's just double check. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't be diligent in protecting the sheep from from heresy, but like, yo, know, the assumption of heresy um from one group to another is high. And so I think that's where my response would come in is there is a, an assumption of theological like shallowness sometimes, um, especially in you know black and brown cultures. That's probably a byproduct of distance, not relationship. That's exactly right. I mean, I remember having a conversation with with some one of our interns early, and um, just just the idea of okay, what are predominantly black churches like? Mm-hmm. And the the thought was that predominantly black churches are going to be theologically bankrupt. Yeah. And they're going to care about social concerns, but they're going to be theologically bankrupt. And they're really just preaching the prosperity gospel. Good music, bad theology. Yeah. And I mean, are there predominantly black churches who do that? Yeah. And are there predominantly white churches who do that? I can tell you a lot of them, (laughs) like literally, you know what I'm saying? And so I think it's like, again, don't let our lack of relationship and knowledge then cause us to make a blanket statement about a whole people group. Or a whole church environment, and really, um, really, it's lack of knowledge. Really, it's lack of knowledge. Yeah. It's ignorance. Yeah. So this this idea of now the last objection I had to that question around you know if I have the the A you know white leader the the B black leader or vice versa yeah. depending on your context uh, the third objection to that that even question itself was just networks. Yeah. Like even if that were one hundred percent true. Even if there was a legitimate a accounting for cross cultural competency, all this stuff, a legitimate you know a uh, ethnically similar candidate and a legitimate b ethnically other candidate, you know, oh man, do I have to just pick the b because I want to whatever? It's I mean, you could, or you could just spend the extra time and work and go find the a. Yeah, right. I think there's just an indictment on when you seem when you can't seem to find the ethnically other highly qualified person. That doesn't mean they don't exist. That just means you don't know them. Right. And the fact that you don't know them or have access to them says more about maybe just your networks and relationships than about the reality of theological richness and qualifications of those other people. That's good. So, yeah, that's good. I think that um, to the to the where we started about subtraction, mm-hmm. we actually might need to subtract some of the networks we're a part of and the mm-hmm. podcasts we listen to and the articles we read and start reading other ones. So, you know, what I'm saying wow. there might be some things we go, hey. I realize my networks are not full of, um, or I don't, I don't have networks full of people from different ethnic backgrounds. Yeah. The first thing we need to do actually is probably say no to some of the networks we're already a part of. Wow. Um, wow. So, but Hey, but let's, let's talk like yeah. practical, pra- like what are some practical things that our listeners can be looking for yeah. in hiring and sustaining this kind of diverse leadership work environment? So I, so after you've done all the subtraction, right, after you've done interrogated the, the biases implicit in the, the prevailing question that you just asked, I think after you've done a lot of that work, if you're looking, if you're in a place where you're really ready to hire somebody, here's a couple of things I would suggest. Um, one, the, make the first hire, the first ethnically other hire that you make someone who has theological authority in the church. Mm. Right. Um, and I would also add structural authority who has a budget, who has people that they, you know, have direct to you know, directly report to. And so make it someone with actual legitimate authority in the church. Mm. 
don't make the first hire the admin, right? Yeah. Don't make the first hire just the outreach person. Like uh, hire a discipleship pastor, uh, uh, someone who with elder, you know, roles or responsibilities, someone who has like theological, financial, and people purview. Mm-hmm. Right. They have people that report to them. They have a budget that they control and they speak into the theological beliefs and framing of the entire church. Yeah. Um, I would say make that your first real hire. Um, it will be easier to find the worship, the outreach, the the admin, you know, be the first impressions. But like, it'll be easier to hire that person. Um, but do the hard work of hiring somebody of real authority because they will actually help you. Hire for all the other roles, That's right? right? Um, and it will help you be the church that you actually want to be if they that's can good. speak into it. That's so good. that's what I would say. Yeah, that's really good. I think to your point that that creates like a wake mm-hmm. for other people to come in behind. Yeah. When you put when you give somebody real influence and authority. One thing I'd say, too, because it is hard and it is a grind even in staff. And and I and we recognize there is there's complications in hiring. Um, from the team or board that might be responsible, but also to financial limitations, yeah. like like firing can, or hiring, firing both can be difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I would say too is when you do hire someone, or maybe you even look at your staff too, and you you have somebody of a different ethnic group who, mm-hmm. um, other than the majority, who is uh, on your staff now, I would encourage you to do this um, if they're not quite in the seat of influence, or even if they are. Spend a disproportionate amount of time listening to them mm-hmm. and amplifying their voice. It sounds like favoritism, Pastor Will. It does sound like favoritism, but here's the thing about favoritism. <laughs> that sounds like some bias the other oh, way. Look at Is that, that reverse at racism. That. Reverse racism. <laughs> you gotta be gotta be on the lookout for that reverse racism. Now here's the thing. Like yeah. the, the Bible talks about favoritism and praise God it does. Yeah. Praise God it talks about favoritism. And we really do need to pay attention to our own personal biases and thoughts. Biases and thoughts, but but what I would say is when you when you look at the majority or all of the the biblical exhortations against favoritism, you're going to find that they are speaking against uh, a propensity to show favoritism to the same types of people the world would show favoritism to. Yeah, yeah, the rich and the powerful. I mean, that is ex- the favoritism passage we go to is in James, mm-hmm. and that's exactly who James says not to show favoritism to. Yeah, now. When it comes to caring for the poor or the weak or those who are not shown as much honor, the Bible actually speaks a lot about doing intentional and specific things towards that end. I mean, even in the Old Testament and 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 the way that they would, with harvesting, leave ed- the edges of their field yeah. unharvested gleaning. so that the poor, the poor could come in, yeah. right? Gleaning. So, so that's a common practice. And um, can I, I, can I read a scripture on that? Please read a scripture. My favorite scripture for those of you who are, because we are talking about favoritism. We are talking about Maybe maybe you had got an admin or somebody who doesn't have direct, uh, you know, ecclesiological authority or budget control on your staff already. And I think what Pastor Will is saying is exactly right. We need to, one, disproportionately listen to what they have to say, right. even about things that don't pertain to their job. And we probably need to disproportionately amplify their thoughts, their opinions, their voice, right, in the rooms that we're in that they're not in. Yeah. He, let me give you some Bible. First Corinthians twelve twenty two. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. Verse 24, while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. Mm. So God has put the body together such that the extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. Yes. This makes for harmony among the members so that all members care for one another. So the reality is the Bible says that there are some marginalized parts of the body right. that need extra care, that need to be lifted up with greater honor 
so that there can be harmony. Yes. So this isn't some like world's version of affirmative action. Like this is what the Bible is saying. Like there's some parts of the body that don't get the honor that's due. Yes. Right. That they need to be lifted up with greater care and more honor so that the body can operate in harmony. Yes. So, I mean, I, I think what you're saying is exactly spot on. Yeah. So I think it's good. You just got to pay attention to how to do that. And it could be, okay, I'm my rhythm of meeting with staff might be every other week. I'm going to give this brother or sister, I'm going to meet with them every week. Mm-hmm. And part of it's just to build a relationship and learn how yeah. to listen. I'm going to ask some questions, not make them, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Not, not make them have to answer every question on race and justice and all this, but learn to just, what are they like? What are they into? What, what are they passionate about and listen to them? And then, you know, maybe bringing them, really giving them influence in rooms that they might not otherwise be. In. Absolutely. So and I think the Bible would affirm that. So yeah. those, I think there's a couple of things. I mean, just to rattle off a couple more, make sure if they're, if you spent the hard work to hire the a person, right. pay them like an a person. Sure. I mean, come on now. Right. They, Say that. I mean, they shouldn't on. feel grateful for working for you. Right. <laughs> You're not giving them an opportunity and exposure and experience yes. that they otherwise wouldn't have. No, like, Pay them what they deserve, yeah. right? Um, and I would even say if they're the only person who's ethnically other from the majority of the staff, like they're the only black person on the team or the only white person on the team, find a way to connect them with a relationship outside of your church. Yeah. Right? Make it be a, a brother or friend or if you always had another church. Give them some kind of connection, especially if they had to move in order to, like they don't know anybody and everyone that they're working around is just new and it's just different. And so um, pairing them up with a mentor or a friend in the city that's outside of your church, that's ethnically similar, can be a really helpful thing for their longevity. Yeah. Or hiring, hiring too. Or hiring too. Like if you can yeah. hire multiple um, ethnic other folks at one time and have them on board together and that kind of deal, like that would be ideal as well. And that's not always possible budget wise, but right. um, just thinking about how can that person thrive here? Not how can I check the box and have a diverse, you know, staff page on my website. Yeah. So Pastor Philip. Yeah. Summarize our conversation. What last or, or last maybe it is last minute words. Last minute words. Last minute words. Yeah. Start with subtraction. Yeah. Don't don't. Sh- <laughs> there's something that you're currently doing in your church, or there's somebody that you're currently employing in your church that's getting in the way of this work. Find out who and what that is. Yeah. Before you try to implement any new programs, before you try to hire a new person, start with subtraction. And I would say bring in outside help to help you do that. Yes. You don't have to hire a consultant if you don't got the resources. It could be just a friend of yours who's from a different church, you know what I'm saying, from a different background, and just invite them into the space. And to ask them, hey, what do you see? Not somebody who works for you, not somebody who goes to your church, right? Somebody who's outside all of that, have them come to a staff meeting. Yeah. Right. Have them come to a Sunday worship service, have them come to an elders meeting and just have them give you honest feedback on, man, if I worked here, um, this is what I would struggle with. Yeah. Right. This is what I would really like. This is what would be difficult for me. These are assumptions that y'all are making that everybody does it this way that I don't like begin to to really spend the hard work. And that could take, you know, that could take months. Yeah. Right. And so this isn't a short process. Like I did a survey. We're good. Um, this could take months, but don't 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 short circuit the subtraction piece because it'll make addition way easier. I know so many pastors who didn't do the subtraction part. They hired somebody. They burned out within six months or a year. And now they're burnt because, man, we try to hire black people. We try to hire a white person like we try to hire a Hispanic person. It just never works. Yeah. Because they didn't do subtraction first. They get to an environment that they don't even know is hostile to them. Right. Because everyone's yeah. nice to them. Everyone, right. I'm the pastor. Everyone's right. nice to me. Yeah. Like, Susan's great. Right. But like, they don't know that they're struggling with some, some cross-cultural competencies that only comes up when they're in the room. Yeah. Um, and so when that other person's in the room. And so I would say last minute thoughts, emphasize the, the subtraction. Yes. Component of before you get to the addition. 
Yeah. What about you, Pastor Will? That's good. And I, I also I'm really thankful you brought Susie back up at the end. So I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. <laughs> I'm thankful for that, especially. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that's good. I think subtraction is essential. And I really do think you got to re you got to rewrite the resume. I, I, I think some of the biggest tensions in uh, leadership uh, spaces is when you're not explicit about what you're trying to do. Mm. And so when we're when we're going, OK, how do we hire? How do we do staffing, you got to be explicit. Like you, it has to, the conversation has to be normalized. So the rest of your staff's like, yeah, of course we're going to hire them. Yeah. Now, if, if some of your staff, if you hire a black person, you're like, wait, what, wait, what are, they what are doing? we doing? <laughs> like yeah. they're not the right people to be on the team. Yeah. It needs to be explicit in your goals, uh, in the mission of the church. It needs to be explicit in, on the resume so that everybody's like, of course we're doing that. Yeah. Of course we're doing that. Absolutely. So staff is an easy place to get a win. Leaders, pastors, man, See your staff as the the ground where you can make tremendous headway and tremendous impact because you've got a captive audience. You've got the ability to make some changes um, that's typically a lot quicker. And so, man, hopefully this conversation helps you do that today. Pastor Will, as always, thank you, brother, for having uh, for being part of this conversation. Absolutely. All right, man. Next time. Hey, thanks for joining our conversation today. This podcast is a resource of the Cross Culture Collective. If you want to learn more about who we are or what we're up to, you can visit us online at crossculturecollective.com or on all the socials at the Cross Culture Collective.